What is love? Okay, okay, I'll try again. Welcome to the club no one ever wanted to join. This is Refused, the unofficial podcast of Eliasm.org. Having a tough time spelling that? It's an acronym for I Live in a Sexless Marriage. Listen to stories, articles, and sometimes the dark humor experienced by those in sexless marriages here on Refused. On Eliasm.org, you'll see much wiser people than me give advice on coping with sexless marriage. And you may see my less useful posts under the name Mirror Orchid. Until then, you've suffered enough. On with the show. The desire to sacrifice without expectation of profit. Climbing out of love is all about endless thanklessness and or lack of reciprocation or indulgence a lot of the time. Token exchanges and gratitude are compensatory. How much of these does it take to maintain love? Keeping up or surpassing the dedication invested? A reversal can be profound and quick. I mentioned love of narcotics, and quite clearly that is all about the compensation. If folks didn't think they were getting the better end of the deal, they wouldn't take them. So you might dare say people expect to profit from drugs. Same with loving food. If you weren't pleased with eating it, you wouldn't. So in the broadest possible sense, by including loving the inanimate, even profit is sometimes expected. Hathaway was right to keep badgering me. Hmm. Wait, if the food gives you stomach cramps or the drugs stop working, you tend to stop loving them. You can even reverse and hate them. Noble causes you dedicate time to may profit you from the sense of belonging or self-worth they provide. If the cause turns out to be less than noble, your love can fade, though maybe you stick around because you like your fellow activists. Ditto your career. If your job is lucrative, perhaps the money was fantastic. But after you've bought a lot, done a lot, traveled a lot, money may not be so special anymore. And you'll seek satisfaction from the best things in life or a more meaningful career. A one-sided love can fade on one side. Whoever is getting the short end of the stick may find their valuation of the relationship diminishes. It may fade slowly enough it goes unnoticed. Question of whether the love remains may be met with sharp, quick denial of its having dissolved. The identity component of loving that thing, cause, or person can be valuable to us, even as the thing, cause, or person means increasingly little. We stop loving, but don't know it. We might revisit an old favorite restaurant that changed hands and the new chef doesn't pull off the recipe quite as well. We know it's not as good, but it, it reminds us of happy times spent there, and the nostalgia closes the gap. I'm troubled by a view of love that strikes me as mercenary, and it may be an attitude that is less than universal. Maintenance of love requires profit? I make myself cringe. 
Granted, some compensation that balances the scale may be in form of arguably worthless things, such as gratitude, words of appreciation, or tangibly unequal gestures. You clean your spouse's bedpan while he, she orders the delivery pizza with your favorite toppings that aren't their favorite. Disturbingly, it can be a vicious cycle. Feelings of disenchantment with a partner can make the unequal gestures fail to accomplish what they once did. The little things that count uh, start to mean less. Keeping scores creeps in, perhaps from both sides. If one spouse feels unappreciated, a natural response may be to invest less and redeploy the attention to something more likely to yield benefits of some kind. This redirection of effort may be reciprocated into a race to the bottom of mutual indifference. Partners may immerse themselves in work, hobbies, friends, travel, exercise, or other pursuits, and place the relationship, if not at the back of the line, a few places back from the front. Eh, I may go too far. This sterile view of love may reflect far more on me than it does on this highest calling of humanity. For those capable of endless generosity of spirit, my apologies for having wasted your time with a definition that won't suit you. Your quest continues. To those of us that eventually wither in the absence of gratitude or reciprocation, I hope it's been of use and that you aren't reaching for a bottle right now. That's today's show. Thanks for listening. Drop by eliasm.org to learn a whole lot more about sexless marriages and what to do about them. Or just find this sympathetic ear. That's I-L-I-A-S-M dot org. We're sorry you tuned in, but do it again soon. This podcast was narrated and edited by Muir Orchid. The intro and outro music is sampled from the instrumental Drown in Thoughts on the album Illusions by X Tickerex, whose name I may be butchering, available at freemusicarchive.org. This episode of Refused is not brought to you by Margaret Holmes Vegetables. Hate cooking, but know that you should be eating more vegetables. Margaret Holmes to the rescue. Surprisingly tasty vegetable combinations with artfully assembled spices. Open the can, pour it in a bowl, microwave for 90 seconds, and eat like you just cooked for three hours. Why do Margaret Holmes vegetables taste so good? Tough to say, but it may be because they put all their money into hiring the best chefs, they buy quality produce, and spent nothing on marketing. That's why you've never heard of them and you never thought to pick up a can, but now you will. Look for them at your grocer with a lemon yellow banner on the sickly green gray can. Seriously, the color scheme must have been picked by a cabal of Libby's Green Giant and Del Monte, just hideous. Great taste, good nutrition, in an ugly ass can. Margaret Holmes. So long, you're not alone, it'll be okay. I need a better sign off. <laughs>